0: So we are starting again, and we're we're actually going to get into Kings past Saul and Solomon, and um, Saul, David, and Solomon. So we're on to Solomon's sons. Um, let me let me ask you something. How did you learn to make good decisions, or how did you learn to make decisions? Trial and error by making bad decisions yes serious discipline yes that will help us to remember that a choice we made was not a good choice good counsel and that was more what i was going for here was hopefully we have in our lives good examples to follow so i don't know i'm sure you can tell me of something that your your mom or your dad or grandparents somebody taught you how to do by they had you help them and you got to watch them and you got to see them do what they were doing and you learned how to do it from them. And we do. And that's hopefully what we learned today is we're going to be talking about Jeroboam again. And um, we talked about him some of the last two lessons. So he was... Not in the line of David, but he is the one that God has chosen. So part of the punishment, the judgment for Solomon's sin of idolatry was God's taking away most of the kingdom from his sons. So his son Rehoboam will have one tribe. And Jeroboam, who was a servant of Solomon and did very well at what he did, God chose to be the king of the other ten tribes. And, you know, all of this happened because of God's judgment, and God had given Saul and David and Solomon, and he gave Jeroboam the same instruction. They all got the same thing. And so we're going to start off in 1 Kings. I'm going to read 11.38. This is um, what God told Jeroboam when through the prophet Ahijah, he told him he would be king over the ten tribes. So this is 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 38. Then it, and this is God speaking directly to Jeroboam. Then it will be that if you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight by observing my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, Then I will be with you and build you an enduring house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. So God's making him a promise, but God is giving him the same qualifiers and expectations of, you have to follow me, you have to be a godly man, you have to seek counsel from me, you need to know my word, you need to follow my statutes. And if you do that, I'll watch over you, I'll protect you, I'll make you a family line of history, just like I'm going to make David so there's some responsibility upon jeroboam so let's see what he does with that so flip over to the next page we're going to read first kings 12:25 to 27 and we're going to start to learn how doubting god's promises leads to fear so first kings chapter 12 starting in verse 25 Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there, and he went out from there and built Penuel. Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam king of Judah." So so when we read this and what Jeroboam's thinking what what strikes you about this He is not trusting in the Lord for sure What what other things jump out at you because we we read what God has told him he needs to do he needs to trust in God he needs to follow him He's fearful And that that's really what we're getting down to here is you know, I've, I've heard people say that the two things that drive people's decisions are fear and greed. We're afraid something's going to happen. We're afraid something's going to be taken away. And the greed part is we want something we don't have. And people, without the intercession of God through Jesus Christ in our lives and the Holy Spirit, that is what we'll do. We make every decision out of fear and greed because we're very selfish at our nature. We're being children of Adam without being saved without having the influence of the holy spirit and studying scripture and trying to live for god and honor god that's what we'll do every time and that is what jeroboam's doing so you know, what what's the first thing that jeroboam does for his kingdom does it does he thank god does he make sacrifices to god does he honor god in any way does he get all the people together and read scripture to him and tell them this is what you should be doing what did he do he built Shechem and so if you go and look at that what the original text is saying is the town of Shechem was there is he built his palace and he fortified it and it's the same with um, Penuel is he built and fortified that city up and so he's already showing fear because he's fortifying everything and he's building everything and God made him king and so he wants to look like an earthly king instead of being obedient and asking God what he should do and what does God want him to do. That's where Jacob buried all of their idols. Okay, so Cheryl says that's where when Jacob and his family came back and one of his wives had idols and they buried him, that's where they buried them. So he starts... Okay, it's where the sons of Jacob sla- slaughtered the people of Shechem what we're getting to here is that Jeroboam from the get-go is not doing what God told him to do he, he's not respecting God he's not seeking out God's counsel he's being fearful that even though God has promised him if you will follow me I will make you king over the ten tribes of Israel and it will be yours and your line forever so he's forgotten that and he's not doing that and, and what does Jeroboam what is he trying to prevent the people from doing? going to Jerusalem so Jerusalem is where that's the city that God chose to have his temple built that's where the presence of the living God is that's where in old, for the Old Testament Jews that's where they would go to make the offerings for the peace offerings, the sin offerings they observed festivals all of these things that God has called the Jewish people to do to be obedient to him take place in the temple so You know, when I read through this, I'm thinking how backward Jeroboam's thinking was. God said, if you will follow me and do what I ask you to do, I'll be with you. And so you would think that Jeroboam would want his people to go do the temple rites and the sacrifices and the things that they're supposed to do. And you would think Jeroboam himself would go. Because God didn't say, I'm going to give you the tribe and I'm going to have you do all these other things. He said, you're just going to be king over these tribes. You should, you know, they should still be going to the temple. They should still be making the offerings and all of the things that they're supposed to do. So Jeroboam is afraid, if the people do what they're supposed to do, God's going to take the kingdom away from me. Was that what God told him? No. God said, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I will take the kingdom from you. So it's just, it's very backward thinking, and it's all fear-driven, and he's not trusting in God, that God will keep his promises, that God will do as he says. And I think as people, we find ourselves doing that. We get in a predicament, or, you know, we're not, we we pray, but we don't pray expectantly. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say that. When we pray, we should pray as if God is going to answer those prayers. We should live our lives in faith, in faith, hoping and understanding that god's will will be played out but you know whatever god does is true and righteous and good because that's who god is and it may not be what we want but here god's made a promise to jeroboam but he's completely ignoring that um and and there's a I, i want you to turn back to look at proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 i actually have to turn forward so I think this is a very appropriate part of scripture for us to remember whenever we have fear and we're thinking about things and should we really do what God wants us to do. And and it is important because if you are finding yourself fearful or frustrated or unhappy, a good thing to do is to look back and I think maybe what Carol's trying to say is what God has done for you already. And even if the rest of your life goes really horribly, God's done the one most important thing that he can do for you, and that was he gave his son who died on the cross so that you can be saved. And so God's given us the gift of salvation, and no matter what else happens in our lives, that's the most important thing. Yes, and and to offer your petitions with thanksgiving. And so, uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So, you have to remember to, to trust in God and not follow this path that Jeroboam's going down. And so, we'll, we're going to read next in First Kings 12. I'm going to read verses 28 to 33, and we're going to see how this fear leads to idolatry. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan, and he made houses on high places, and made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month like the feast which is in Judah and he went up to the altar thus he did in Bethel sacrificing to the calves which he had made and he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month even in the month which he had devised in his own heart and he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense and so He did. And he, he, there are lots of things in here that he did wrong that go directly against what God had given Moses in the Pentateuch about what the Jewish people are supposed to do, how they deal with all the situations that come up in life, how they honor God. He is completely gone. It's, it's not totally what God said, but he's— and this is a problem. All good lies have some truth in them— He's taking some of what God said, but he's making it his own. And he really is going away from what God has called him to do. It was. And it doesn't, think, it doesn't look like from the text that he even maybe believes in God, that he's not sure, because he's certainly going off on his own. And I think Beth hit it right on the head when she said he consulted. What, what do you think David would have done in this situation? Who would David have talked to? God. David would, I think, have gone to God and asked God, "What should I do?" And that's what we should do. You know, it's it's good to talk to our Christian brothers and sisters. It's good to read God's Word, and we need to pray and find out when we have decisions. You know, what should we do? We need to try to be in God's will, and we can't do that if we're not in a right relationship with Him. If we don't have regular prayer time, if we don't study, if we don't fellowship with believers, all of those things has saved brothers and sisters in Christ help us to become discerning to know what is right and what is wrong and what is God's will in our life and Jeroboam has completely gone away from this he, he is definitely blaspheming God he's, he's gone away from not just trusting God to full-blown idolatry because he makes two golden calves what, what was another time in Israel's history where they made a golden calf Aaron in exodus it's um and 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 I know you know and we have a great blessing in that we have the full canon of scripture, and we can read everything, but Jeroboam's Jewish, he knows the history, he should have seen it, and the words that are recorded here. When he tells them the lie about who brought them out of Egypt, that's the exact same words that Aaron told the people when he made the calf. It, it's the exact same words. And wh- what does that give you insight to as far as people? Because they're, they're people just like we're people. What, what insight does that give you? We're always conniving. We might know very well that we shouldn't do something, and we do it anyway sometimes if we tell a lie enough people will begin to believe it that's why it's important that we study the bible and know the bible and know what god actually says so we can be discerning and understand when someone says well the bible says this we can say well i've never heard that show me in your bible where does it say that you know because my bible doesn't say any of that and and we have to go back to god and we have to go back to the bible and we have to use that you know when we say something's good or bad It can't be Andy's opinion of good or bad. It has to be God's opinion of good or bad. Otherwise, we start to behave just like Jeroboam, or we start doing what we think is right. And as soon as we do what we think is right, we start to move away from God and we start to put ourselves in charge. Like I think we could see here, Jeroboam wants to be in charge. Not only does he want to be king, he wants to be king who's in charge. He doesn't want to be a king who's a servant of the Lord God Almighty. He wants to be his own boss. He's committing idolatry. He's doing his own thing. So he sets up these two, he makes these golden calves. And so, if, if, I don't know if your Bible has a map, but when the kingdoms got divided, Judah is towards the south and still has Jerusalem in it. Just to the north, across where more or less the dividing line between the, the ten tribes and the one tribe of Judah is the town of Bethel. And then all the way to the north is the the town of Dan and, and it's bad enough that he may, right, and, and he's also he's violating Ten Commandments, right God in the Ten Commandments says that he is the only God he tells him not to make any graven images and I don't know how Jeroboam thinks he's doing what's right but he definitely is not trusting in God and, and he goes along as far as um, Cheryl pointed out he appoints people to be priests to administer these, the rites. And I'm sure they're doing some of the things that God called for in the Bible. But they're doing a great many things that God did not call for. He appoints people who are not from the tribe of the Levites. And God specifically set aside the Levites to be the priests. So he's even doing that which is wrong. And, and he himself is participating in the worship. So as the leader, he is leading all of the 10 tribes of Israel away. And as we go through the rest of Kings, we'll see that it has grave consequences for the people because they're following should the people have, should the people know better? They should, but it's a lot easier to go along with the crowd, isn't it? It's a lot easier to think about if you live kind of towards the northern part of where the 10 tribes are. It's a lot shorter distance to go to Dan and do, you know, make your peace offerings to God and and your sin offerings than it is to travel all the way down to Jerusalem so once people get encouraged to do the wrong thing since that's what our our intent is a lot of times anyways it's just so much easier to go ahead and do that so we're just seeing how this this fear of Jeroboam and his lack of leadership and his bad decision making starts to lead all 10 tribes down a very wrong path And then um, we're going to go ahead and read the first 10 verses of 1 Kings 13, and we'll see how idolatry leads to judgment. So 1 Kings chapter 13. Now, behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, where Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. He cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up, so that he could not dry it back himself. The altar was also split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of God. The king said to the man of God, Please entreat the Lord your God and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and it became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you. Nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way which you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. And we don't even know his name. And I think that's part of the story here is that it is very clear that all these things that are happening are the will of God. It is God himself... Who's making these things happen? Because we don't. We just know he's a man of God. But what are some characteristics of this man of God that, that we get from the text? He stands up, he's not afraid, he's he's going where that's the whole ten tribes of Israel and the king Jeroboam, and he's but does he even really call the king out? It's interesting that he proclaims this judgment against the altar because Jeroboam's not even worth talking to at this point God is so disgusted it looks like with Jeroboam that he doesn't even address Jeroboam directly he's addressing the altar and, and maybe the people around saying this is very wrong what you're doing and there will be judgment for this idolatry because it wasn't just Jeroboam who knew the Ten Commandments and what God had called people to do all of the people there it's the ten tribes of Israel they all know of Moses, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they know and understand what they're supposed to be doing. They're just choosing not to. So this, this judgment is made. And, and he talks about um, Josiah, and as we study through kings, we're going to see this son Josiah. And he does turn out to be a, a king who follows God. And these things do come to pass. So God's judgment does happen. But when Jeroboam hears this judgment by this man of God he's convicted in public someone pointing out this is how you're being sinful how did Jeroboam react pardon me he said arrest him he was angry he's furious and when we get caught in our sin when we've done something wrong many times what is our first reaction anger if you think back to David and Bathsheba, and Nathan is telling the story of the rich man who has all the sheep and the poor man who has the one ewe, and the rich man takes, what's David's first reaction to hearing that? Anger. He wants that rich man to pay, I think it's tenfold, the, the you know, the, Jewish tradition the laws that God gave said if this situation happens this is what the man has to pay back it's what David said well he should get righteous judgment according to the law of God but Nathan says this man is you and then what did David do he repented of his sin at that point David came to the realization that he was wrong and you have to think that Jeroboam has heard this yet when Jeroboam is confronted with his sin of idolatry by this man of God how does he 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 reacts in anger and he knows he's the one who's supposed to do that but he doesn't ever try to repent from his sin and so God immediately gives him judgment and shrivels his hand up so he can't pull his hand back and so you would think at this point Jeroboam would understand that it is the Lord God Almighty who is judging and punishing him And he knows that, but he says something that's very telling about his heart. If you look at verse 6, it says, The king said to the man of God, Please entreat the Lord your God. So does Jeroboam even, even claim God as his God? No. That's how hard his heart has become. That's how far he is from who he was as a servant of God when he served King Solomon. This is how far Jeroboam has gone in his idolatry and his sin is he's not even recognized, he's not praying to God. He's asking this man of God to pray to his God, which should be their God. And if he recognizes he sinned and he needs prayer, don't you think he should just pray to God directly? That's what we're supposed to do. Because when we sin, no matter who we sin against, no matter what bad thing we do to someone on earth, who have we ultimately sinned against? God. God all sin is against god and ultimately we have to go to god and we have to admit that we're sinners and we have to ask for repentance and forgiveness and turn away repent from that sin and try to do better and and we know that god through the holy spirit can help guide us that way if we truly want to change through the power of god and what what we have in the holy spirit we can do that we can be changed people it can take time it can be difficult but jeroboam doesn't even want to do that and yet in all of this what could god have really done to jeroboam instead of just shrinking his hand killed him he could have just yeah incinerated him or he could have died there are other people who blaspheme god and go against god who die in some pretty gruesome ways god doesn't have that judgment for jeroboam and maybe god who knows maybe god is thinking at this point like david understood his sin and repented and turned back to god and started following god again like he should maybe he thought jeroboam would but jeroboam still shows his true colors because he asks for the man of god to pray god honors that god is merciful in this way and restores his hand but then what does jeroboam do does he fall down and praise god and thank god for restoring his hand and rededicate his life and say we're going to destroy these idols and nobody's going to worship on high places and you want us all to go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, that's what we're going to do. Does he do any of that? All right. So he, he wants to reward the prophet because he's still not showing that he understands that God is a sovereign God and God is in control and it wasn't this man of God who shrunk his hand. It was the Lord God Almighty. But he's still refusing to believe in God and to submit to God and to Follow God and do what He is supposed to do. But once again, we see this man of God is an upright, trusting man of God because He knows doing this that um, if it was in God's will for them to kill this man of God, you know, this prophet, did prophets get killed? Many, many, many prophets were killed and abused and all kinds of things. And they did it because that's what God called them to do. And so we should remember that too. When we're in a difficult situation, God and God has us there he wants us to continue through that and sometimes that can have some very difficult consequences for us there are some very difficult things that we have to do but this this man of God is following exactly what God told him so he he tells Jeroboam even if you give me half of everything that you have I wouldn't because God told me not to eat any bread not to drink any water you know not to stay here and not to go back the way I came and so this man of God is obedient and does what he is supposed to do he came and did what what god told him and then he goes on his way so just an, an interesting turn of events with how quickly god's design and what god's hopes were for the jewish people where he gets them in the promised land and eventually they their obedience and he helps them defeat everyone and the tribes all have their land and the permanent temple in the promised land is built, and the presence of God is there. But the sin of men keeps breaking these things down. And, and God's plan is God's plan, and God's sovereign and knows these things. But when we look at it, these people who should—we we think, you know, we, it was mentioned before, well, didn't they know that? Didn't they read, you know, Exodus? Don't they understand what happens? We know what happens when we sin, right? The the Bible's very clear at what happens, isn't it? But do we stop sinning every in every aspect of our life? We don't, because we're human and, and we are fallible that way. It it is in our nature and it's hard and we have to fight our entire lives to not be sinful, but to try to be righteous. And that's that sanctification process and through the strength that we get from God and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and from God's Word and from support and encouragement from believers, we can get better. We are. And Mary Lou says, if we keep sinning as Christians, that we bring shame on God, and that's true. It, it destroys the witness. If if people know that we're Christians and we tell everybody that we're Christians, and then we engage in very sinful behavior, that damages the witness. And if we do that, it's not that God ever gets rid of us. We need to turn and repent from that. But we can't be like Jeroboam where we get scared and we get nervous and we're not sure what God promised us is really going to happen because we don't have very strong faith. And then we decide to take things in our own hands. And this is just one of those stories where when we decide we're going to have to take care of what God promised us to do because we can't wait for God or we don't think God's going to do it or we don't think God's you know capable of it. We start doing all of these things on our own, and it's always disastrous. And it happens frequently in the Bible where people try to help God out when it's just not in God's timing. And so we have to be very cautious of that and remember to do what God has asked us to do and to not be fearful. And God will put us in fearful situations. God's going to put you in places that you're going to be very uncomfortable and you're not sure... How God's going to be able to keep His promise, but we have to trust in God that God will keep His promise. Because as believers, if we are saved and we believe in the the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, and that He was the first fruits, He was the first one raised, that we'll be raised. So we have faith that God will raise us from the dead when we die. Well, we should have faith in all things. Then nobody here has seen anybody resurrected, have they? But we know that will happen, not just for believers, but unbelievers. Every soul is resurrected. Some are resurrected to eternal life with God, and some are resurrected to spend eternity in hell in the pit. And we believe that. That's why we're believers. That's, you know, interestingly enough. We're called believers because we believe. I think Ruth brought that up. That's the important thing is we believe, and because we believe, we have faith. And we have faith that these things will come true. And when we have faith and we trust God, we can move forward in those difficult circumstances. We can forgive that person that did that awful thing to me because we know that our hope in the future is secure in Christ. And we don't have to worry about what that person did to us. And it feels bad, and it makes us unhappy, and we wish it hadn't happened, but it can help us move on. And Jeroboam missed that. He didn't understand. And and God spoke to him directly. And, you know, it tells us, when you know God appears to him and tells him, this is what's going to happen. And he still doesn't follow. So it can happen to anybody. And the, the caution here is just to remember that, you know, he is the living God. He is the one who spoke the universe into existence. He can do anything he wants. So we need to have faith and trust that Just because he's not doing what I want when I want it doesn't mean, you know, God doesn't keep all of his promises. He has his own timing. And so I wanted to wrap up, um, right? And and God is merciful all the times in many ways to all people. Even even unsaved people, God is merciful to you. Because that is God and that is who he is. And that is his nature. But that doesn't mean that God is not a just God and that God is not a wrathful God and that he won't proclaim judgment against those who don't believe. And that's, I think, where some people get led astray is they they, they see and hear, well, God has mercy and he's a loving God. He's not going to send me to hell if I don't do what I'm supposed to do. If, if you're not a believer, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that is what God calls on us to do. We have to believe in the birth death and resurrection of jesus christ if we don't do that then god is just and you will become you you'll still be a child of wrath and you'll be condemned but you would think that god does that but look back in our own lives how many times has god been merciful to us and yet we still sometimes sin and it's just that sin nature that we have to keep fighting but i was going to read john 14 verse 27 because when we're in those times in our life when when things are not going well and we're frustrated or we're scared or we're nervous and we're trying to remember what God has done for us this this is something that hopefully will come to mind is John 14:27 and this is this is Christ speaking to the disciples peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And when he's saying not as the world gives you, is there any anybody in the world who can make a promise that always 100% will happen? No. Because we're not in control. We are not always the ones, even if we are intending to do good, it doesn't always work out well because we're not in charge. God is in charge. God is sovereign. And so when Christ says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. That peace is yours forever. As a saved person, the peace of Christ is yours forever. And that peace comes from the knowledge of when you're called from this earth, that you will be in the presence of the living God for eternity. And all of the things that we dislike about living here and our flesh bodies in this Genesis 3 world are gone. And all of the responsibilities we have here are gone. And the constant fight we have against sin are gone and fear is gone and darkness is gone all of those things are gone when we're in the presence of the living god we don't have to worry about that and that is the peace as believers that we are supposed to have when everything here on earth is crumbling down around us and people are deserting you and things are just going really wrong you should rely on that peace and have that faith and trust in god who raised his son from the dead will when it, it's his timing for you will raise you from the dead and you'll be resurrected and you'll have your perfect resurrection body and you'll be in his presence and you won't have all the cares of this word, world and so I hope that you can remember that when when those times come because they will come that's one of those things that um, God doesn't promise us that we won't have trials and, and, and things that go on here on the earth that's going to happen just because of the nature of the broken world that we live in so hopefully we can remember this story and, and take that to heart where you know when we find ourselves moving away from God we have to stop and turn and run back and sinning normally leads to more sinning and refusing to follow God leads us to a very dark place we see that what, with what happened to Jeroboam and so hopefully that doesn't happen to us that if we find ourselves doing things that we shouldn't be doing we should repent from that and turn back and, and trust that God will forgive us and there may be some earthly consequences but in the end again we have that peace from Christ that he's given us with the promise of eternal life